it's kind of funny as I was praying about what we were going to talk about this morning and even throughout this month, I felt the Lord kind of lead me into the opening of a series. Uh, My working title right now is bodybuilding. And I think God has called us to build up the body of Christ, right? To do everything we can to not only be the body of Christ, but to build it up. And I think one of the ways, and, and what I want to talk about specifically tonight, to be able to do that is you need to be able to maintain the unity of the body to make sure we all come together. So this month, I'd like to take time every week to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just gonna do a portion of it every week. And this morning's portion is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 13. Listen to what the word of the Lord says here. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What I love about this portion is it talks about the beauty of unity. Like we, we have this incredible diversity in our church and this incredible diversity within the body of Christ. Now, the body of Christ, you can look at it in two ways. There is uh, the big church, or what we often call Big C, which is all believers all across the world. And then you have the local church, which is here, Belmont Assembly, and the body here in the local church. We're all part of the overall body of Christ, but this is in particular a body of Christ that I want to hone in on. And so for me, why? Watching our Spanish ministry handing out popcorn and cotton candy and our youth ministry being drenched in syrup for all the snow cones and the 5,000 pounds of ice that we got and overcompensated with. Uh, For the uh, children's ministry to be scattered all around and put all this effort to put this all on. To see every facet of our church and and our adorned ministry and all the fantastic uh, signage. And my, my daughter, she stole the giant pencil, by the way. All morning she woke me up poking me with this giant uh, pool noodle of a pencil. Um, you know, and all the games and everything that went on, that takes the entire body of Christ to pull off. That's not something one ministry can do alone, nor is it something one ministry should do alone. We have an opportunity in these beautiful moments to come together as a whole and grow together and serve one another and walk away saying, wow, look what God did through us in this moment. It's really a beautiful thing. It's exhausting, it's tiring, it tries your patience, but all oh, wow, is it not worth it when you step back and realize what God was able to accomplish when his people come together. So as I was thinking about that, the Lord led me to another portion of scripture that kind of reinforces what we're talking about in 1 Corinthians, and that's in Ephesians chapter 4. And it's in this passage that I really want to spend some time dissecting a little bit because maintaining the bond of unity is not an easy thing. And so if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 4, let's look at verses 2 through 6. It says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. 
I want to talk to you about this unity, and, and there's a few things I think we need to understand if we're going to accomplish this, because I do think that's what God has called us to do. This is not about the individual in the room. This is not about Pastor Joey or you specifically. This is about us as a community coming together to be the body of Christ and to grow the body of Christ, and if we're going to do that, the very first thing that we hear here in Ephesians is that we got to have patience. Why? Because unity tests your patience. If you spend any a number of time with people, and if you're taking notes, that's the first thing. Unity tests your patience. If you spend any number of time with somebody, eventually you're going to find something that really annoys you about them. Something that frustrates you. Just It doesn't matter. Like when, If you start working with somebody first day, everything's great. I get along all right. And then you're working with them for a while, and all the little things that annoy you pop up. And almost always, it's not that it's necessarily annoying in and of itself. It's just different from what you do. It's different from how you were raised. It's different from what you understand. It's different from how you do things. And anything that we see as different, we almost always see as wrong. Because that's not how you do it. And listen, I, I learned that lesson very hard the first few years of my marriage. Because everything my wife did, I was like, why are you doing it like that? That's not how you do it. Like, and which is the best thing to say, guys. If you're getting married and you're a newlywed, question everything she does and your marriage will go great, okay? Great advice. Hard and home will teach you that, right? So, so I just, I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, that's not how you stir that. That's not how you sweep that. That's not how you, why, why do you chop your, and listen, there were, I'm not, okay, that sounds mean. There were some stuff that I had a right to do that with. For example, the, the first time I realized cooking was going to be a challenge for us was I had like 19 pots going. I mean, I was cooking up a storm, baby. I had it all working. I was, and I'm pretty good at getting everything timed out. And then she comes in the kitchen. She said, hey, babe, do you want me to help you? And I was like, yeah, go ahead and help me. You want to prep the salad? real quick, why don't you go ahead and cut up that romaine lettuce? And she's like, okay, mind you, I'm like on a clock here. I got everything going. I looked to my right. This lady got one leaf of lettuce <laughs> with like a butter knife. And I'm like, no, wait, like, like every, like all this flash before my eyes, like I'm going to cook the rest of our lives, aren't I? It's just going to be me. <laughs> Now nah, she's gotten way better. She really has gotten way better. Uh, but again, like, if it's, it's part of that growing together. I remember one of our first fights. Uh, I think we were just married, and we went to Bed Bath & Beyond, right, to go and get, or was it just before? Huh? It was our registry. Okay. We weren't even married yet. We went to Bed Bath & Beyond to register, and we had a meltdown in the store. Like, she's crying and mad, and I'm like, I don't know, what are you upset? And, and obviously, now looking at hindsight, it's because everything she suggested, I thought was dumb. And so she said, we should have this color. I was like, why? We should have this. I don't even like that color. And I just was negative and just shooting everything down because I didn't understand what it meant to be united. I only knew what it meant to have what I wanted. And so what we got to understand is when we come into church, we come in as individuals. But when we become part of the body, now you're on a team. When you become part of the body, you have to be willing to be patient. Maybe it's not that it's necessarily wrong. Maybe they're just new. You know, so often within church, we start judging people as if you weren't raised in church your entire life and trained since you were young. How would this person know any better? Oh, you know, Pastor Joy, they, this person came in and they were cussing. Yeah, that's probably how they've talked their whole life. Like, are you going to get, you expect them to just magically turn that off the first day? Like, I'm just happy they're here. Like, I remember there'd be times people would come up to me, especially in the youth, you know, I'd preach a sermon. They'd be like, man, that was a great bleeping sermon. And I was like, appreciate it. Thank you. 
And it never upset me. I always, I always got a kick out of that. I was like, man, that's, that's great because they mean it. Like, it's not fluff right there. They, they genuinely mean what they're saying. That's just the only way they know how to say it right now. So, so what was I going to do? Be like, hey, I appreciate that, but don't you dare cuss in this place. It's like, come on, man. Like, give him some time. Now, if Yvonne came up to me after service and said that, I'd be like, Miss Yvonne, I know you guys are retired and all, but you, you can't just talk about it like that. Heaven forbid. But listen, unity, unity will test your patience because the only way to avoid it is to not be united. It's to go into your own little corner and go into your own separate space. And listen, honestly, that's a lot of times what we do. We come to church, we don't fellowship, we don't connect, we don't talk to anybody. We sit down, we laugh a couple of times, we get moved by the message, and then we go home. And we're like, man, I really like church. It's like, mm, maybe you haven't gotten involved enough. <laughs> because when you start getting involved and you start getting really into it, there are going to be some things that I do that's going to upset you. There's going to be some things you do that are going to upset me. But we work through it because we're on the same team. Again, I, I joked about all the like little fights and issues my wife and I had. But I'm so grateful that really early on, we came to one very decisive conclusion. That whatever issues we have, whatever struggles we're going through, whatever differences we're trying to navigate, at the end of the day, we are not fighting against each other. We are fighting for each other. We are fighting for this marriage. We are fighting for this relationship. So everything that we have to go through, we got to go through it in order to make sure that the marriage thrives and survives. And in the same way, we can't avoid conflict. We have to work through conflict because at the end of the day, it's about the body of Christ. It's not about you as an individual. If you win, we lose. We have to all come together. Some of us have to sacrifice some things. Some of us have to give a little bit more patience. We have to be a little bit more long-suffering. We have to be willing to give room for other people to figure things out because at the end of the day, what really matters is that we're united in the body. Listen, Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 15. Since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. In other words, make room for other people's mistakes. People are going to mess up. That's okay. Make allowance for that. Make room for others' faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. This, this is hard to live. Easy to read, easy to say, hard to live. Because a lot of times when we are together and we come together and we start rubbing elbows and we start fellowshipping and we start hanging out, stuff's gonna start to come to the surface. Things that you don't like, oh, I didn't know you were... Don't, believed in that political thing. I didn't know that you came from that background. I didn't know that like all of a sudden our little things that we don't necessarily like or that we have issues with or we struggle with, they start to come to the surface. And what we have to understand is everybody comes into this body with their own issues, their own baggage, their own insecurities, their own whatever, including you. And that's why here the author of Colossians reminds you, hey, let's not forget that you were forgiven. Let's not forget that someone had patience with you, right? And again, I was talking with Pastor Izzy about this so often, especially when you have teenagers. You know, we're like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. I can't believe we're doing that. And it's almost like, hey, do, do we want to 
Do you want to go through your history real quick? Shall we go back to you at that age? Shall we remind it that you actually did worse, that your child is a saint compared to who you used to be? And I get that you want them to be better. We all do. But can we have a little bit of patience and understanding that they are a work in progress? I mean, I am not one of those people. And I pray to God we aren't ever one of those people who badmouths the next generation. How are you going to talk bad about a generation that you raised? Like, you did it. That's you. Like, that, those are our children. And so a lot of times we, we get onto this high horse and we think, ah, I, I would never. You did. You probably did worse. They, they just don't know about it. But you better remember. And remembering that, it's not to shame you, but it's to remind you, God forgave you. So why are you holding it against them? God forgave you when you were a new Christian, when you were starting to figure things out, when you messed up and came back to Christ. So why are you pointing fingers at somebody else who stumbled and fell? We have to make room for that. We have to make room for those allowances. Again, it's like my youngest now, she's starting to learn how to walk and right now she's still holding everything and we, we gotta like start picking up a lot more because we're trying to make room for her to walk and we're trying to make room for her to fall. And so our job is not to stop her from falling. That's gonna happen as you're trying to learn how to walk. Our job is to make sure she doesn't fall on something and get hurt. And in the same way in the church, you're not going to be able to stop somebody from stumbling and falling because it's all part of our journey. What we have to make sure is that when they stumble and fall, we're not a sharp object that stings them even worse. We have to be the gentle hands that lift them up and say, hey, I've been where you've been. I've gone through what you've gone through. Come on, let me show you a better way. Let me walk you through this. Let me just love you through this because I know it's hard. It's not easy. It requires patience. Marriage ain't easy. Raising kids ain't easy. Being a part of your own family is not easy. But you strive to maintain the unity of the body because they are important to you. And in the same way, the body of Christ is important to us and even more to Christ. The second thing, if you're taking notes, is the reminder that unity is maintained, not created. Unity is maintained, not created. Notice in verse three, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. Keep, not create. And the ESV translation, they use the word maintain. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the body. Okay? In other words, it is Christ who's united us. Christ is the one that did the work of unity and that has brought us together in his blood to be brothers and sisters. So we can't create community, but we absolutely can destroy it. Okay? We are very easily capable of destroying the unity that Jesus Christ died on the cross to create. And so we have to be careful to maintain this thing that God has established, this amazing, beautiful body that God has put together. John chapter 17, verse 22 through 23 says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. This is Jesus talking. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and offering up a prayer in front of them right before his final ascension. He had spent many days walking among the people, talking, teaching, having incredible encounters. This is one of his last moments. And last words are important. And if you notice, one of the last instructions that Jesus gives and demonstrates to his disciples, his last prayer while standing on earth is the prayer of unity. God, I pray 
that in the same way you and I are one, that they would be one in us. That means it matters a lot to Jesus. That the very purpose of dying on the cross wasn't just salvation, but the unity that that salvation creates. Because now, as a result of salvation, we have communion with God. And if I have communion with God, and you have communion with God, and she has communion with God, we're all meeting in the same place. We're all congregating together. And in the same way, I would want my children to all love each other and maintain the unity of our family. God wants all his children to be united and maintain the unity of his family. The family that he literally gave his blood so that we can have. And yet, we have quarrels because this person has a different view of this situation than you do. Because we believe all Christians should do blank and they believe that Christians should do this. Look, your responsibility is to love. If you want to correct and you have a relationship with that person, fine. But if you're just going to talk poorly about them and treat them differently, that's not creating unity, is it? As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. That is disunity. So when you start gossiping and, and talking about so-and-so and, and mention, did you hear that so-and-so doesn't go to church anymore because they did this, this, and that? That doesn't sound like trying to maintain unity to me. That seems like you're fostering disunity. When you start talking poorly about your leadership, and I haven't heard anything so far, so thank you, Jesus. But, if, you know, just hypothetically, oh, I miss Pastor Carlos, Pastor Joey doesn't know what he's doing, he's this, he's that, da, da, da. that's disunity. Because if you really had an issue, you would come to Pastor Joey. Hey, I'm having trouble understanding this, Pastor. Can you help me understand why we're doing this? Absolutely. Because I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm figuring it out. Give me a little bit of time. Okay, that makes sense. Awesome. <laughs> like, let's just talk about it rather than sit there and badmouth somebody, right? Oh, well, you know, the, the deacons and the elders, I don't even know why they're this or why they're that. They don't. Okay, rather than talk poorly about them, talk directly to them. Hey, I'm a little discouraged because I feel like no one's reached out to me. Instead of, no one reaches out to me, I'm not going back to that church. Hey, let us know if we're messing up. We want to get better. We're human, just like everybody else. And so sitting there gossiping, feeling poorly about it, it creates disunity rather than creates unity that God desires. Listen, believers are never told to become one. We are already one and are expected to act like it. We're never told to become one. We are one. The second you said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have become part of this family. Whether you like your crazy cousin or not, you're in the family. And we all got a weird uncle and a kooky aunt and a weird cousin. And I mean, we all got it, right? And if you're like, no, we don't got nobody like that in the family, you're probably the weird cousin, the kooky aunt. <laughs> no offense, but that's you, okay? Like, just own it, run with it. We still love you. You're part of the family, okay? And that's the thing, like they're, still, they're still family. And I love that about, especially in Chicago, I just feel like we got such a strong sense of family. What I'm trying to help you understand is you're in this family too. And you have to do everything you can to create and, or to maintain and continue to build on the unity that Christ has established in the church. And then the third thing is this, unity is one body but with many parts. It's one body, but with many parts. I remember when I was a kid, one of my all-time favorite Christmas presents was this three-in-one table that my dad got me. It was uh, table tennis, air hockey, and pool. 
and it was a three-in-one table. And I was, I mean, all the kids in the neighborhood would come to my house and hang out in my basement. We'd play pool, and we'd play ping pong, and we'd play air hockey. And I absolutely adored this gift, my, my three-in-one table. If I got bored with pool, I'd play hockey. If I got bored with hockey, I'd play table tennis. If I got bored with that, I'd go back to pool. I always had some sort of aspect to play with. This was like my baby, man. This was my pride and joy. And I think I still have it in the house because we don't throw anything away in my home. It just kind of gets put on top of stuff. I loved it because it was so much, even though it was just one thing. Even though it was one gift, it's a gift that kept giving. There were multiple aspects to that gift. I think it's funny. Notice how in Ephesians 4, verses 5 and 6, let me go back to that real quick. I don't know if we can go back over there. But in verse 5 and 6, it says, there is one body. One spirit, just as you were called to one hope, we were called to one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. One, 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 one. It's a lot of ones, though. It's not just one, one. It's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. I got seven ones in this one. That sounds perfect to me, as seven is the number of perfection. What am I saying? It's all one, but there's many parts to it. We have so many things that bring us together, so much more than the things that bring us apart. There are, there's so much more that unites us compared to what divides us. And if we can focus in on the things that unite us, suddenly we start to understand that maybe the things that divide us aren't that important after all. Because we're a part of one body, one spirit, one hope, I don't worry about the fact that, you know, you put ketchup on your pasteles like that's between you and the Lord I'm not gonna be mad about it if you don't know what that is you know don't worry about it or even like yesterday I kind of laughed because I was going by the hot dog stand and uh, I saw Jonathan doing video of one of the guys putting ketchup on a hot dog and I was like oh, you're not supposed to do that and then in my head I was like I love ketchup on a hot dog like and then people argue you're not a real Chicago I was like nah I just say it's a Puerto Rican thing like I just like ketchup on a lot of things like it's just not even my problem but again like who cares it's not even a big deal. And so we make such big deals out of, you know, oh, women shouldn't be in ministry. Well, then go to a church where women aren't in ministry. Like, if that's a big deal to you, then you're not going to be a part of this body because we love the women in ministry. Pastor Evelyn absolutely knocked that event out of the park. And I don't know if you noticed, she's a woman. I could, she's my sister. I can tell you, she's always been one. Like, I know it. And again, we just get caught up in such non-essential issues, right? Like, you know, as a pastor, you always get people that want to have these arguments of like, you know, do you believe you're once saved or are you always saved? And I'm just like, I don't care because I don't plan on not being saved. I just don't plan on walking away from God. So it's really a, a non-essential question to me. It's just something that you want to sit there and argue about. And that just divides the body of Christ. Like, I'm not about that. Here's what I'm about. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that we can be one. Can we agree on that? Yes. Then we are good. Okay. A lot of the other things are really non-essential semantics that we get caught up in and we start to divide and create our own little tribe around and say, yeah, these are my people who think like I think. Well, in the body of Christ, we think like Christ thinks, not like I think. And so we come together in the body of Christ according to his purpose and his will. Y'all better calm down because I'm going to get heated on this one. Listen, Philippians chapter 2. Verse one through two, therefore, if any, 
encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. But again, the mind is the mind of Jesus, not your mind. Because Jesus says, my thoughts are so far above away from your thoughts. Like, it's not, hey, we have to have the same mind as Pastor Joey. No, that's why we have a leadership team. That's why we have a staff. That's why we have great people in this church to come together and offer ideas. Because I might be like, hey, I think we should paint it this color. And Mylene will be like, that doesn't match in the slightest, Pastor Joey. And I'm like, you're right. You got a degree in that. I'm going to listen to you a little bit. Right? Because we got people here. We got people that are great at that stuff. And so we come together as a body and we put our minds together because we are all united in the mind of Christ and the purpose of Christ. And we want to accomplish the things that God has called us to accomplish. And so if we come together in that understanding, maybe we'll win this victory after all. Should I say the victory is already won, but we can claim it in Jesus' name. Listen, I love this. It's a very famous saying. During the 1961 address to the Canadian Parliament, President John F. Kennedy famously said this, geography has made us neighbors, history has made us friends, economics has made us partners, necessity has made us allies, what unites us is far greater than what divides us. Listen, man, for the most part, we're all from the same area, a couple people a little further away, but we're all generally from the Northwest side. We all have same likeness, similarities, similar backstories. But even more than that, we've experienced the same grace, the same mercy, the same love, the same passion, the same leading, the same correction, the same Holy Spirit. I love our differences. And we're going to talk about how wonderful those are over the next couple of weeks. But if those differences cause an issue for you, just remember about what's the same. Remember about what unites us. And honestly, worship team, if you can help me out, this is a theme that the disciples all across the New Testament had to tackle with all various groups. It didn't really matter what region, particularly when you had the fact that you had former Jews and former Gentiles, all Christians, and everybody had opinions on how things are supposed to be done and where things are supposed to go. But listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this, I appeal to you. I love that term, I appeal. It's almost like, man, I beg you. I'm really trying to help you understand. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice the the kind of back and forth here, right? He's saying, man, I beg you. I implore you. I'm seriously with all the love in me. Oh, and by the way, I have authority to speak on this. So he did both parts. He goes, as a friend, as someone who cares about you, as a spiritual father, and by the authority given to me in Jesus. All that to say this, live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. I echo that as your pastor. I beg you. I appeal to you with all the love that I have and the authority that's been given to me to stand in this position. Live in harmony with each other. And by the way, again, I kind of mentioned this earlier. 
That means let's live with each other. Harmony is easy when there's no relationship. You don't know each other. You don't talk to each other. When you get out of here faster than you walked in, that's easy to maintain harmony because you're just harmonizing with you. Listen, we're not singing solos here. This is a choir. It doesn't matter if your voice is good or bad. As long as you're standing there saying watermelon over and over again, we're going to sound good. We need you to come together. This is why it was so important. This is why we kept begging you, hey, come out to the back to school bash. Even if you're not specifically serving in something, come out and just be there with us. Just show up, man. Just support. Just be a part of the body. I think part of why we want to talk about this and part of why in 1 Corinthians he's imploring this is because in the church of Corinth there was some serious disunity going on. And in this letter, he addresses it on a number of occasions. See, at the church of Corinth, there were some unhealthy divisions happening, particularly during the time of communion. There was class divisions, cultural divisions. People were gathering for communion, to have communion, but only to have it with their specific group of people. And they got called out for it. It would be like, hey, as we came and, and we picked up these emblems, we're getting ready to take communion, but you and your four friends go in that corner, hey, we're going to do communion our own way. Because, you know, Pastor Joey, he's still kind of new, and, and I'm going to teach you, this is how you're supposed to do communion. And then, you know, this person takes their five people, and they go over here, and they're like, hey, you know, we don't like the little cheap juice and cracker. I brought some real, like, nice saltines here, and I got, like, the Welch's grape juice. Like, we're going to do communion, right, because God deserves that kind of honor. And so everybody starts to go into their own little sections and does their own little thing. And the very purpose of communion was to remember that Christ brought us together. And so the author of Corinthians is mad. He's saying, listen, you, you guys keep having these factions. He goes so far to say, listen, if you only came to communion to have dinner, go eat at home. Hay comida en la casa. Like, go home and eat. And listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 29. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Notice, if you eat and drink the cup without honoring not Christ, but the body of Christ. So what he's saying is, listen, your offense wasn't necessarily directed to Christ, but it was directed to his body, whom he is the head over. So you're taking communion. Meanwhile, you got an issue with someone on the other side of this aisle. You're taking communion. You got a family member in here that you haven't even talked to for years. There is disunity among the body and then you're standing before God drinking the cup pretending like you have unity. And what God is really saying is saying, hey, listen, before you do that, can you take a moment 
and examine your heart. And if there is some issue that you have with the body of Christ, maybe you've been gossiping about leadership. Maybe you've been having issues with the fellow believer. Maybe you got unchecked sin or or unresolved issues with somebody. And you think if I just avoid them, everything's going to go well. No, no, no. Be careful. Because if you drink this unity and live in disunity, you bring judgment upon yourself. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand all across this room. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. Can you just begin to examine your heart? David says, early I would rise in the morning. And he said, God, search my heart and see that there was nothing in there that would offend you. Is there an offense that you have towards somebody in this room? Is there unforgiveness that you have? It might not be a big deal, but big deals can easily be created over time. Have you sinned against the body of Christ? Maybe you're not even living up to what the body of Christ has called you to live to. You've been on this island on your own and you think that just by showing up and listening that somehow that's created unity. I'm not saying we got to stop everything right now and do it. I'm saying allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and take the time today if possible and make right. Romans talks about live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. So if you try to make peace with someone and they're still mean or they don't receive it, again, your hands are clean because you made the effort to maintain the bond of peace. But if you're unwilling to do that, I would argue your hands are stained. And all it takes is a little crack to tear down the whole foundation. I want us to continue to grow. I want to see this room full. But why would anyone want to be a part of a dysfunctional body? So I'm going to pray. And then in a moment, we're going to take the cup and the bread. And together as a family, we're going to call on the name of the Lord. But just take one more minute. Examine your heart. Allow the Lord to search and point anything out. And then we'll pray.